And Father, we just come to you and just uh, just pray that that Christ would dwell on our hearts through faith, and that we'd be rooted and grounded in love. That that we'd be able to comprehend uh, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge. That you may that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Just pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. So we're in uh, Genesis 42. Uh, it took us a long time to get from 41 to 42. I think we had a, a VBS, and then last week we spent a lot of time on just two or three verses. So, uh, so I'm just going to get a little review. Uh, if you can remember back in uh, Genesis 37, uh, Joseph had a couple of dreams. Uh, uh, the first dream uh, involved Joseph and his brothers and their binding sheaves in the field. And in the dream, the brother sheaves uh, bowed down to Joseph's sheave. And uh, in the second dream he had was similar to that, but in this one, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars all, all bowed down to him. And so, of course, the sun and the moon would represent his mom and dad, and the 11 stars is his brothers. And so his brothers were, because uh, he's, relatively young. He's second from the youngest. Uh, and so his brothers, they they really didn't like him, but he was kind of like Jacob's favorite son. And so he gave him a special coat and everything. And anyway, it happened where Jacob sent Joseph out to check up on his brothers. And they they saw him coming from, you know, quite far away. And they decided, they started talking about, hey, let's kill him. And, uh, and when he got close enough to him, they actually threw him into this uh, pit, into a cistern. And uh, while he was in the cistern, they're kind of debating on what they're going to do with him. And uh, 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 Reuben is trying to convince him, yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't kill him, right? And so I think Reuben goes off someplace, and and uh, uh, Judah says, you know, well, we shouldn't really kill him, but you know, there's these traitors going by. So they, Judah says, let's. Let's sell him and make some money off of it. So they, they sell him and make money off, and they go back and tell their dad, you know, oh, look, hey, you know, we think an animal got him. They basically tell some lies to their dad. Meanwhile, he sold off into slavery into Egypt, and he ends up in the house of the, uh, the captain of the guard. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what we'd be equivalent to. Maybe be like the attorney general or something like that in our in our government. He was like the top cop in the land there. So he ends up at his house, and he works his way up to be the, the, like, the, like the head steward. He was like in charge of everything in Potiphar's house. Potiphar didn't have to think about anything that had to do with his household or anything. Potiphar would just go to work, and he'd come home, and everything in his house would be taken care of. And uh, so uh, Joseph did all that for him well. In the process of rising to the top, Potiphar's wife started looking at Joseph, and she made some advances towards him. And uh, Joseph, being he's a, a man of high integrity, he kind of wouldn't do it. He basically was, you know, um, he was uh, true to his master. In other words, he he had conversations with him. Look, man, your your husband's elevated me to this spot. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to do this. And so she got mad and 
uh, she accused him of stuff, and when Potiphar came home, she told this lie to him, and so now he gets ends up thrown in prison. So now he's in prison. While he's in prison, he actually kind of works his way up in prison to be like a trustee there where he would uh, go work for the head of the, the, the inside the prison system itself. And while he's there, uh, the, there's a, the, the pharaoh has a problem with uh, uh, the butler and the baker. I'm not exactly sure what the issue was, but they were both thrown in prison, and so they have they have these dreams, and they didn't have anybody to interpret them. So uh, Joseph says, "Well, you know, you know, God can interpret these dreams. Tell me your dreams." And so uh, he interprets the dreams, and basically the the dream for the interpretation for the for the butler is actually pretty good because he says, "You know, in three days you're going to be restored." Uh, but the baker, not so much, uh, said that they're going to hang you and then the birds are going to pick the flesh from your bones. And it turns out that his interpretations of the dreams are spot on. But before they go back, uh, Jacob, uh, I mean, uh, Joseph tells, uh, hey, when you get up there with Pharaoh, remember me, right? And, you know, tell him, hey, this guy down here, he's pretty sharp. And, but they forget and uh, well the the baker i mean he there was no hope for him cuz he was hung and the birds picked the flesh from his bones but uh the the, the butler actually forgot about him and uh until 2 years later the pharaoh has some dreams and he's got all these magicians and wise men and everything and they they can't they don't know how to interpret the dreams and so then the butler remembers and he says uh hey, there was this young Hebrew guy down there in prison and he interpreted my dream and everything came true exactly as what he said. So they bring him out and uh, and so Pharaoh tells Joseph the dreams and, and uh, as a result, uh, uh, there, the, I guess there was, he had two dreams, but really they're the same thing. And uh, uh, so Joseph tells Pharaoh again, he always gives credit to God. He tells well, God can interpret these dreams. And so Pharaoh has the dreams, and there's uh, basically the, the first dream, there's uh, seven fat cows and seven gaunt cows, and the, and the seven gaunt cows end up eating the, the seven fat cows, and uh, but they don't gain any weight. So then he, he wakes up from that dream, he falls back to sleep, and has, an, has another dream, and he dreams uh, that there are, uh, seven good heads of grain, uh, followed by uh, seven heads blighted by the east wind, and the uh, the seven uh, that are blighted by the east wind, they consume the the seven uh, you know good heads, and so um, so what God reveals to Joseph is is that the the seven fat cows and the seven, you know, good heads of grain are seven years of of uh, plenty in the land of Egypt. And so things are going to be really good. And then, of course, the, the gaunt cows and the wheat blighted by the east wind is seven years of famine. So Joseph sets it up and says, hey, you know, uh, you, you know, you should probably do something like this. And 
he kind of gives a, a plan to where, you know, you save your stuff up, and then when the seven years of famine come, you're going to have it. And uh, so the Pharaoh says, I think that's a good idea. Well, by the way, you're now second in charge of Egypt. So, uh, so that's kind of where we're at now. Uh, the, the seven years of plenty have uh, transpired, and now we're coming into the seven years of, uh, of uh, the famine. So that's where, when we start in uh, chapter 43, or 42, excuse me, uh, that's where we're at. So uh, Genesis uh, 42, starting in verse 1, it says, Then Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, and Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And so we talked quite a bit about this last week. You know, they're feeling guilty and maybe afraid, and we spent a lot of time talking about that. But uh, And you'll see that as we get farther into it, the text is really going to hit on the guilt part. Uh, and, and he said, Indeed, I have heard there is grain in Egypt, so go down to that place uh, by forest there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went to buy grain in Egypt, but Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, lest some calamity befall him. So um, I'm, I'm thinking that through, throughout the years now, it's been, what, what 20 years since uh, Joseph uh, uh, got sold into slavery. I think he may have began to actually suspect that his sons had something to do with that. And uh, so he didn't want a chance uh, giving uh, Benjamin, Benjamin to go down there. Something might happen. Uh, he kind of had a special place in his heart for Joseph and Benjamin because if you remember when they originally went to Laban's like he fell in love immediately with Rachel and then so he didn't have any money couldn't pay the dowry all this and so Uncle Laban says well yeah well you know you can work for seven years so he works for seven years and ends up getting married to uh, Leah that Laban tricks him and then he kind of goes to him and says, hey, what's up, you know? And so there's a cultural thing there. And uh, Laban says, well, you know what? If you work for another seven years, you can have uh, Rachel. So Rachel was his first love. And so, but Rachel had a hard time uh, bearing children. They had like like 20 years, right? In the meantime, Leah had a bunch of sons. And uh, Leah's concubine and Rachel had concubines. They had sons. So finally... We get down to Joseph and Benjamin. And so Joseph, as far as Jacob's concerned, Joseph is dead because of the lies that his sons had told him earlier. And uh, so he doesn't want to give up Benjamin because it's from, like, his really true love, the, the wife that he really wanted to marry right away. So, uh, so Benjamin is kind of, like, special. In verse 5, it says, And the sons of Israel went to buy grain, among those who journeyed, uh, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And so, number one, all of Joseph's brothers except Benjamin traveled to Egypt to buy grain. Verse 6, Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, 
from the land of Canaan to buy food. Uh, Verse 8, so Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. So number two, Joseph was the governor over the land. Uh, Number three, Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And so you got to think the last person they expected to see was their brother Joseph, uh, especially to be the second in command of Egypt. And uh, plus he, he, you know, he walked like an Egyptian, you know, he talked like an Egyptian, you know, and he looked like an Egyptian. So they thought he was an Egyptian. Uh, So verse 9, when Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them and said to them, you are spies, You you have come to see the nakedness of the land. So Joseph remembers the dreams that had given him as a teenager. Remember the ones where the sheaves and, you know, his brothers were bound down to him and all that. And so uh, he says uh, he can see God bringing this dream to fruition, you know. And But in the teenage dreams, if you remember, uh, the whole family was involved in bowing down to him. So I think Joseph is thinking, you know, this isn't, being fulfilled the way the dream was portrayed to me. And so what he does is he kind of gets a scheme and he accuses them of being spies in order to get the rest of the family back down to Egypt. So in verse 10, And they said to him, No, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. Uh, we are all one man's sons. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, No, but you have come down to see the nakedness of the land. And they said, Your servants are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no more. So they're basically saying, you know, Benjamin's at home, and uh, Joseph, he's died. Uh, Verse 14, But Joseph said to them, uh, "It It is as I spoke to you, you are saying you are spies in this manner you shall be tested Uh, by the life of pharaoh you shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here send one of you uh, and let him bring your brother and you shall be kept in prison that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you or else by the life of pharaoh surely you are spies so he put them all in prison Put them all together in prison three days. So I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking there. You put him in three days. You give him a little taste of what he had experienced for quite a few years. Uh, it's interesting what he does next, though, in verse 18. Then Joseph said to them the third day, Do this and live, for I fear God. So Joseph reveals to his brothers that he fears God. That's number four. And uh, and number five, Joseph lived his life for God. And as we go through it, the more you read about Joseph, uh, that that is so true. And so what he says here in verse 19, if you are honest men, he changes what he's going to do. He says, if you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your to your prison house, but you go and carry grain for the famine of your houses and bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified 
and you shall not die. And they did so. So Joseph, he changed his arrangement from basically, remember originally he says, you're going to put all of you in prison. We're going to send one back and bring your brother back. But I think after three days, he's thinking about the whole thing and his, his whole object is to get his family back. And so he changes it to, you know, only one will stay here and all the rest of them will go back. And that way the family would be, they would be uh, taken care of, you know. They come there to get food because they're starving. So in verse 21, it starts a narrative between the brothers concerning their dead brother, right? So this is kind of an interesting thing. In verse 21, then they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear, therefore this distress has come upon us. So they're, you know, they're admitting their guilt to each other, and Joseph is listening to them. So, and it's kind of more detailed, because in the original account, back in 37, they said they threw him into a pit, but they didn't talk about him in the pit, basically begging him, hey, let me out, let me out. But here, while Joseph is listening in, they're kind of going over the events, what happened. In verse 22, and Reuben answered him, saying, did I not speak to you, saying, do not sin against the boy, and you would not listen? Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter, and he turned away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and talked with them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. So number six, Joseph's brothers spoke freely among themselves about selling Joseph into slavery. Number seven, Joseph's brothers did not know Joseph understood Hebrew. Number eight, Joseph wept after hearing his brothers confess their guilt to one another. So it's I, they chose Simeon, and I think I think uh, I think maybe they chose Simeon because I think he was probably the ringleader uh, on the day that they sold. Uh, Joseph into slavery. And we know that later on we're going to see that Simeon, he's basically cut out of the will. Because you remember the Dinah incident where they're in Shechem? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, Simeon was, he was kind of a bad guy. Anyway, so he's the one who gets thrown in prison. Verse 25, Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain to restore to restore every man's money to a sack and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus, he did for them. So, see, ver- and number nine, Joseph gives them their grain, their money, and provisions uh, for the journey home. So Joseph's trying to take care of it. He's putting on a big front. You know, what he's saying really doesn't line up with what he actually does. Okay, he's acting like a tough guy, but he gives them their grain, gives them all their money back, right? And he gives them everything they need to get home. So he's trying to make this work because he wants Benjamin to come back. So they loaded the donkeys with the grain and departed from there. But as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey feed at the encampment, he saw his money, and there it was in the mouth of the sack. So he said to his brothers, 
My money has been restored, and there it is in my sack. Then their hearts failed them, and they were afraid, saying to one another, What is this that God has done to us? Okay, so number 10, the brothers find the money, and they're consumed with guilt. Okay, they're consumed with guilt because they're thinking all this bad stuff that they did to their brother, and they're thinking that God is going to punish them because, oh, they're going to find out that we've got the money, they're going to come and kill us. Okay, so in in number 11, they think that God is punishing them. And 12, Joseph is trying to set things up for them to return and buy more food. So it's kind of interesting where their mindset is at and where Joseph's is at. And the two couldn't be farther apart. Joseph's thinking good things for them, and they're thinking all this bad stuff. 29, Then they went to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan and told them all that had happened to them, saying, The man who is lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spies in the country. But we said to him, We are honest men. We're not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the lord of the country, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. Take the food for the famine of your households and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me so so I shall know that you are not spies, but you are honest men. And I will grant your brother to you and you may trade in the land. So a little different than the first time when the brothers report back. This time they give an honest account. 35, then it happened as they emptied their sacks, surprisingly, each man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You bereave me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want to take Benjamin. All these things are against me. So 13, Jacob is diswrought. In other words, he is just like, Totally upset, like, what am I going to do, right? In verse 4, I mean, number 14, he says, he sees his family uh, falling apart before his eyes. In his mind, Joseph is dead. Uh, Simeon is in captivity, and he believes he is about to lose Benjamin. Verse 37, Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. So Reuben, he's trying to assure his father because they were there and they know if we don't bring Benjamin down here, we're not going to get any food. Verse 38, he says, But my son shall not go down with you for his brother is dead and he is left, and he is left alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. So he's basically saying, there's no way that Benjamin's getting out of here because if something would happen to him, I would die. So Jacob's got a, you know, he's, he's, got, a, he's got a real strong sense of family here. And, uh, you know, I think most time we get together, there's somebody's always praying something for their family. So some things never change, you know, over over time. So uh, starting 
chapter 43, it says, Now the famine was severe in the land, and it came to pass, when they had eaten up the grain which they had brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, Go back and buy us a little food. But Judah spoke to him, saying, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And Israel said, Why did you deal so wrongfully with me and to tell the man whether you still had another brother? So so Jacob, he's so frustrated, right, with the situation. He's like, he's lashing out his sons like, what you guys tell him that for? You know, what's wrong with you, right? Because he doesn't want to let Benjamin go. So he's he's having a hard time dealing with the situation, you know. Uh, jo- Joseph is gone, Simeon was gone, and now Benjamin potentially would be gone. So for number 15, this was not Jacob's vision for his family. I think by the time you have a... Uh, uh, grown children you know there's whether you're thinking about it maybe when even when they're growing up you can kind of have a vision for how you want your family to turn out and you know and i think jacob's no different uh you know he had this idea how everything's going to turn out and it's not working out that way for him you know so uh he's frustrated Sounds kind of familiar to me. Number verse seven, but they said the man asked us pointedly about ourselves and our family, saying, "Is your father still alive? Have you another brother?" And we told him according to these words. Could we possibly have known that he would say, "Bring your brother down"? Then Judah said to Israel, his father, um, "Send the lad with me, and and we will arise and go, that we may." Live and not die. Remember, that's the original words that uh, Jacob sent to his son. Hey, go down there so we can live and not die. And then Moses talked about that whole idea of, you know, choose life. It says, but going back to verse 8, Judah said to Israel, his father, remember Israel and Jacob are the same guy, right? Send the lad with me. And we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. So we know there's about 70 people involved in this whole uh, clan right now. In verse 9, he says, I myself will be surety for him. Uh, From my hand you shall require uh, him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. For if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned this second time. So he's basically saying, if we'd have dealt with this when we got back, we'd already be back now with with more food. So let's take care of business. So number 16 uh, is just basically filling in the verse for Genesis 43.8. Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the lad with me, and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and you, and also our little ones. So Judah offers to be surety for Benjamin's return. Remember, uh, Judah was kind of the one that brokered the idea of 
sending Joseph off. So Judah's kind of like the wheeler and dealer here. Verse 11, And their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and uh, carry down a present for the man, a little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. So, you know, Jacob, if you remember back when uh, Jacob's returning from Laban, he's coming back to uh, the, the promised land. He's coming back to Canaan and he finds out that his brother Esau is basically coming to meet him. And so he sends all these gifts out ahead of him and everything to kind of, you know, butter his brother up, right? Because <laughs> he thinks he's going to kill him. Uh, so he does kind of the same thing here. You know, he says, hey, you know, let's get all these gifts together. So when you go down there, you know, if there's a problem with this money, because they're thinking all the money that was supposed to have paid for that first group of grain that they got from him, they brought it all back. And so they're thinking they might think that, you know, something happened and we stole the money and took the grain. So he's he's worried. He's worried about it. And so um, anyway, so he says, let's get some like little gift packages here for him. In verse 12, take double money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Uh, uh, Take your brother also and arise and go back to the man. So, and... uh, Oh, gosh. I need somebody to read verses uh, 13. Oh, I got here. I says, uh, take your brother also, rise and, and go back with the man. So, uh, and the, number 17, 43, 14, it says, and may, may God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may release uh, your other brother and Benjamin. If I'm bereaved, I am bereaved. So in verse 14, there's, you see a switch in, uh, in Jacob. Up until this point, he's constantly worrying about it, worried about it with his family. But uh, in, in verse 14, he says, And may God Almighty give you mercy before the man uh, that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. If I'm bereaved, I am bereaved. And so, number 18, Jacob puts his life situation in the mercy of El Shaddai, God Almighty. So he kind of surrenders the situation. Up to this point, really, even from the time that Joseph went missing and they told him that he was dead, he's been in this situation where he had this vision for his family and it's just not working out and and now he gets to this point here where it's went from basically from bad to worse. And, and so finally, he realizes, you know what? God is, God is going to take care of me, right? Because he says, he says, may God Almighty give you mercy before the man. So he trusts in God. So verse 15, so the men took that present and Benjamin, and they took double money in their hand, and arose and went down to Egypt, and they stood before Joseph. 
when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house and slaughter an animal and make ready, for these men will dine with me at noon. Then the man did as Joseph ordered, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. Now the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house, and they said, It is because of the money which was returned in our sacks the first time that we brought in, so that he may take a case against us, seize us, and take us as slaves and uh, with our donkeys. So they're back to the whole guilt thing again. So under any other circumstances, you know, they're invited. It's like getting invited to the vice president's house, you know, for for lunch. And, you know, they're like freaking out over it, right? So 19, and when he drew near the... And when they drew near to the steward of Joseph's house, they talked with him at the door of the house. And they said, Oh, sir, we we indeed came down the first time to buy food. But it happened when we came out to the encampment and we opened our sacks. And there each man's money was in the mouth of his sack and our money in full weight. So we have brought it back in our hand and we have brought down other money in our hands uh, to buy food. Uh, we do not know who put the money in our sacks. So the, the 19, the brothers, they're concerned about the money. And they're looking for a mediator. They're thinking, okay, if we can get this guy to kind of go talk to this, you know, the, the head guy here, to talk to Joseph. They don't know it's Joseph now, but we can get him to talk. Maybe he can soften the blow and work something out for us. In verse 23, though, but he said, the steward, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. He says, I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. So number 20, Joseph Steward, he was very matter-of-fact about the money. God had given them the money. So the steward, if you think about what's happening there, I'm thinking that Joseph, remember when Joseph said, here, give them the grain, give them their money back, give them everything they need to get back. And I'm thinking the steward probably had a conversation with Joseph at that time. He says, well, you know, why are you doing this? And he says, well, you know, he might have actually even told them that they're his brothers. But I think for sure what he said is, you know what? The God is telling me that this is what I need to do. So when the steward says here, he says, uh, he says, uh, he says here, uh, peace be with you. Don't do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. God did. He says, I had your money, but God gave it back to you. Okay. So then they brought Simeon out to them. Uh, so the man, verse twenty-four. So then the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave him water, and they washed his feet, and he gave the donkeys their donkeys feed. Then they made the present ready for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that uh, they would eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present, which was in their hand into the house, and bowed down before him to the earth. I think now all the brothers are there now, right? So the first dream that he had where all the sheaves were bowing down, it's happened now. 
Then he asked them about their well-being and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? So Joseph, his whole thing, he's thinking the whole thing about his family, right? And they answered, Your servant, our father, is in good health and he is still alive. And they bowed their heads down and prostrated themselves. So, I mean, it's just everything is coming true. Verse 29, Then he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and he said, Is this your younger brother whom you spoke to me? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Now his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went out into his chamber and wept there. So he's just being overcome by the fact that here he is, you know, his true brother is there, you know. Uh, Not one of the ones that threw him into the pit. (laughs) But he's just overcome. 31, he washed his face and came out. And he restrained himself. He said, serve the bread. So they, they set him a place by himself and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat food with the Hebrews, for it was an abomination to the Egyptians. Then they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at astonishment in one another. So he had them seated around the table, and he had Reuben, you know, he had them actually in the order that they were born. And uh, when I was reading on this, uh, somebody did the odds. It's like the odds of that happening is like like 1 in 36 million or something like that. But I think maybe Joseph may have had something to do with that. But they're sitting there going, oh, this is unbelievable. They got us sitting in birth order. It says here then... uh, they looked at astonishment at one another. Verse 34, Then he took the servings to them from before him, but Benjamin's serving uh, was five times as much as any of theirs. So they drank and were merry with him. So the story's getting better. Okay? The story's getting better. Um, Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for uh, your word, and we thank you for this uh, awesome uh, display of uh, grace. And uh, we can see the, the the brothers are there, and the family is uh, in the process of being reunited. And uh, the despite all of the fear and the guilt, Lord, that uh, uh, your plan has uh, overcome all that. We just thank you. and praise you and Lord just pray that we could uh, just put this in our hearts as uh, we go about our business just pray this in Jesus name Amen